We are so thankful to be together, and I'm happy you guys are here early. Um, moms are happy to not have to do breakfast for the kids this morning. <laughs> Fathers are doing that. Um, and we're just so blessed. So we are thankful to be here. Um, yeah, so Kimberly Cummings is here with her husband, Dr. David Cummings, and we had a sweet time at dinner yesterday. And I know some of you guys have been listening to the Women's Hope podcast. And so when you heard she was coming, you knew who she was and some of you haven't. Um, but yeah, so it's one of the podcasts I have been listening to as well. And recently I listened to her uh, message on selfishness and she you gave it at a conference recently, right? <laughs> the conference was called Selfish. And um, I just I think it'd be fun for you guys to listen to and it'd be an encouragement. But um, I just wanted to share a few things that she shared in that message that were an encouragement to me and also kind of give you a window into, you know, just her personality, too. Um, but if, before we start, if you could turn with me to Psalm 133, this is a psalm that she also quoted in her a message on selfishness, and I thought it was really appropriate for our time today. <clears throat> Her topic was like freedom from selfishness. And so you can take time and guess why she would talk about Psalm 133 in there. Okay, let me go ahead and read that. <clears throat> Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And just talking about um, being in harmony with God's people, she's sharing how being in harmony with God's people is supposed to be one of our greatest joys. And I know, you know, sometimes we take that for granted, but to be able to come, um, and she was talking about like in selfishness, sometimes it's hard to relate to people in the church and we have our desire, different desires of what we would like in relationships. But ultimately, you know, Christ is the bond that binds. And so because he is so much greater than our differences, even than our things that we have in common, he's the greatest, we can come and dwell in unity and be free from you know, our our agenda and our desires. And so just to be able to think about that as we come together today, and she's just going to share with us on the love of God. And also, um, <clears throat> she was talking about having relationships with other people. And one of the things she said, like, you know, Christ calls us to lay down our lives for others, you know, but she was saying, are you laying your, your life down for others or are you doing the running over? And I thought that was a really good way to think about it. Am I like, am I the lawnmower? Do I mow people down? Or am I the one, you know, laying my down? Because she was, you know, giving obviously a solution to our selfishness is to serve others, right? And God's given every person a gift and we should just be using those to serve others. And that gives us a freedom from selfishness as well. Um and the other thing that I really related to, because I've said this before, is she was saying, um, do you wake up today? Sometimes you just wake up and say, today is a great day to die. <laughs> and she said it in a really sweet voice. You'll hear her. And I thought, you know what? That is really sweet. It was funny because Andrea's birthday was on Friday, right? Yesterday. Yeah. 
Friday, yeah. And I just was thinking how this whole weekend's about church anniversary. Her husband's out that night serving. You know, so he's not taking her out to dinner. They're going to be going, you know, he's like practicing for praise. And I thought of her and I was just thinking, oh, I hope she just dies and finds joy in that. (laughs) But they're going to go out later this weekend. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to share a few things. I think we have some of that in store for us and we're encouraged by that. Um, she's, you know, come with our husband, she's ACBC certified and, you know, like we are so blessed to have an older woman in our presence. I really hope that you will, you know, go with her with some of your questions and, you know, anything that resonated with you in the message, she'll be here with us all weekend. Yeah. And then she's serving a little bit, just a little bit about her. She is an empty nester right? Her kids are 30 and 35, and they're living in Illinois and Rhode Island, so totally across the country. But she's also caring for um, an in-law, an elderly in-law, and um, not in good health. So that's a whole different side of caretaking and motherhood that, you know, we're on this end of. So you can talk to her about that. I'm sure that's been a struggle as well. And as our parents approach that age, um, I know we're sort of there. We're like on the cusp of being there. You know, that's something we can glean wisdom from also. And, you know, occasionally I think you do a little bit of adjunct work at TMU. Um, and so she's just serving, spending her life serving. She's speaking at a few conferences, but not too much away from her church. And so we're just so grateful to have her and her husband here. And if we could just give her a big round of applause, that'd be great. Oh, and also, let me open this up in a word of prayer. (laughs) God, we're just so thankful for this time. Um, It is good when brothers dwell in unity. And Lord, we've come today to the house of the Lord to draw near to you, remembering that it is so good to be near you, Lord. And we've come, and some of us have just left the house by the skin of our teeth, and we just are here and our hearts can be a little scattered. So we just ask that you'd be with us in the quiet, um, in this moment where we're undistracted, where we can give our attention and full focus to your word. And we just ask that you'd be with all of us where we are gathered and you know we're just present uh, for your spirit to work in our hearts as you use your servant, um, Kim Cummings. And so we're thankful for their generosity to be here with us this weekend, their heart to minister the word, and their great love for you and the local church, Lord. So we thank you. Would you be with our time? And in your son's name we pray. Amen. The color's so sweet. There's a stair over there. I don't have to hike. <laughs> Oh, it's so good to be with you ladies this morning. Thanks for trekking out early. I know sometimes that's hard, especially on a Saturday, right? Well, it's such a joy to be here. Let me tell you, we had such a sweet dinner last night um, with Julie and Mark. And she didn't mention that the first time I met Julie, she was a newlywed. And Mark had this great idea that they would go on a group trip to Israel for their honeymoon. (laughs) 
And it was so cute because every now and then they would just disappear. And we're like, where are they? It was like, oh, they're hiding They're reading the Bible. Is that okay? Code. Okay. Okay. So anyway, y'all can take that part out of the recording if you're recording this. But anyway, it was just really sweet to meet them. And we even looked back at old Israel pictures and we were looking to see where we saw them. And we saw you guys were right by us in the tunnel in Hezekiah's tunnel. So it was just really fun. Sweet times. Very grateful for that. So and the Lord has just allowed our paths across through um, the many years. And we're so thankful for that. So thank you for having me. I consider it a privilege. And I am going to be talking quite a bit about some of the things that you you mentioned. And I want you to think of what I'm doing this morning as sort of priming the pump. Because David is the main speaker, right? And I told him the passages I was speaking on. He said, are you taking my passages? And I was like, they belong to the Lord. And I said, I'm just priming the pump. I'm getting them ready for you, sweetie. And he was like, okay, okay. But I, w- I want to talk a little bit about, just a snippet, just about some of this selfishness that we're just saturated with, not just in our culture, but in our own hearts. And we live, I would say, in a very individualistic society. If, um, if you've lived in L.A., um, you drive up when you get off of work and you open your garage door and you go in your garage and you hope that no one waves you down before you get in there and then you go in your house <laughs> and you're all to yourself, right? Because you've been at work all day with other humans, other sinners. And so you're just ready to be by yourself. Do what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. And I think that what we're seeing is that that is infiltrating the church. And we're seeing a lot of individualistic mindsets coming into the body of Christ. And so instead of a family, you have like all these silos. And it's harmful to the body of Christ. And so I really want to talk about that because God addresses this in his word. And I want you to turn to Romans 1. And I I want to use Romans 1 as an illustration of Paul's heart for the people. And we're going to start in verse 7. And here you see Paul's desire to be with the Roman believers. And he speaks to the Roman believers as they're so beloved to him. But here's the thing. He's never met them. He's never met them. And he desires so deeply to be with them. And so think about when you really want to be with someone and you can't get quite get there. And think about that as I'm reading this. And then I'll, I'll dialogue a little bit more about it afterwards. But it says in beginning in verse 7, it says, To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son 
is my witness how as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers making request, it perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you and that you may be established. That is, I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now think about Paul's heart here. He is so desiring to be with the church in Rome that he he doesn't just say we're going to hang out, right? He says, he says he wants to be with them. His desire is not just to go to Rome. It's to be with a specific group of people in Rome. He desires to be together. Do you desire to be together with the people of your church? Is that something that you long for, like Paul longed for with the Roman believers? And then it says... <clears throat> He says he wants to impart some spiritual gift to them to help establish and encourage them. It's very specific why he wants to be with them. He is wanting there to be this mutual encouragement, this establishment in their faith, right? He is wanting to come alongside them and help them to grow in their faith. And it says that he wants there to be this fruit-bearing encouragement. So we need to think about the kind of encouragement that we give to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Is this encouragement that we give something that helps them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior? Does it help them to bear the fruit of the righteousness of Christ? And he wants to be refreshed as he refreshes them. And that's always the case when we refresh others biblically, we will find ourselves refreshed. And so he has this desire to do that with this church. And how encouraging it must have been to his soul when he finally did get to meet them. They came all the way down the Appian Way in Rome to meet Paul to take him up to Rome, that was the very first visit. They didn't just say, take an Uber. They came all the way down, right? To meet this person that they loved, that they didn't even know in person yet, and then brought him up to Rome where he would be imprisoned. What encouragement that must have been for his soul. And it said that he wanted to impart a gift of grace. And that gift 
that gift of grace is that spiritual enablement that comes from the Holy Spirit. He knew that the Lord was at work within these people, and he wanted to share with them. And these all come from Jesus Christ. And so he's taking the work that Jesus Christ has done in him, and he is sharing it with these believers. And this leads to the first part. I believe you have a notebook, and there's an outline in there. Because we know that we can't do this on our own, can we? On my best day, I am begging God to help me die to myself. Because I, that is not my bent. My bent is my own desires. If I could have a chaise lounge in my husband's library and just sit and read theology books all day, that would be like a dream come true. But that's not what the Lord has for us, right? We're to live life on life. And so, yes, I'm going to read those good books, but I'm not going to do that all day long and not practice the things that I'm reading. That would be selfish of me. And so um, we need to stop and think about who God is and what he has shown us so that we can show that to others. And we don't have to figure this out on our own. God is the engineer of the biblical one anotherings in scripture. And I love talking about how we are to do life with one another, because um, if we don't teach it, we probably won't practice it. If we don't teach it biblically, we probably won't practice it biblically. And I love it. I can always tell a church is practicing it biblically or not. Because the way their conversations go from the very get-go, um, the conversations will be uh, more edifying, uh, they'll be more encouraging, and they'll be on things that will help one another grow spiritually. They're spurring one another on to love and good deeds. So we are learning this from God. We actually see that the love that Paul mentions in Romans 1 for the saints is an outworking of the character of God. God is good. He does good. We learn from him. And then we do the same, right? We do good. And so turn to 1 John 4, 7, and 8. My husband's going to be speaking on that today. But remember, I'm just priming the pump. It says, Beloved, let us love one another for, which means because or since, love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. He is love. His very essence, his nature is love. And because he is love, then he does loving things. And one of the things that he expects of us through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, is to love others as well. And so I was thinking this morning as I was looking over my notes, I was thinking of that song, how great the father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. That is love, ladies. 
that is love. So, um, and he he has taught us that love. Look at First Thessalonians four nine through ten. This is Paul again, and I love his encouragement to this sweet fledgling church. He says, "Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you." For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Who taught them to love? God did, right? God has taught them how to love others. For indeed, you practice it. And listen to who they practice it to. All the brethren. All the brethren. Not just the ones that are like most like us. Not just the ones that are easy to get along with all the brethren. So, and then he says, all the brethren who are in Macedonia, he says, but we urge you to excel still more. Now I'm going to ask you some questions. Are you learning from God to love well? Or are you learning from Instagram? Right? We have, we, we, we're scrollers. And uh, we need to be really careful because our theology shouldn't be coming from Instagram. Our theology needs to come from the Word of God. So are you learning from God and His Word to love well? Are you practicing it toward all the brethren? Not just the ones we're comfy with, right? That's sacrificial love. And then, have you arrived in your love? Paul's very clear here. He says, you're doing great, but I urge you excel still more. We will never out love as God loves. And so we want to excel in our love and grow in our love for others. And as we grow in our love for God, that will be an outworking of our love for others. And then David is also going to be teaching on this verse, and I'm just going to quickly mention it. Uh, at John 13, 34 and 35, verses 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. There again, right? Who is our example? The engineer of love, Jesus Christ, his Father God. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. There is a distinction there that comes from this love. We are disciples, and it will be evident if you love one another. And ladies, this is a remarkable love. This evidence of genuine saving faith looks different than the world. It looks different than the triune God of me, myself, and I. It is a selfless love. So, and even when you look at the context of John 13, that was at the Last Supper when he says this because he is leaving them, right? And Judas was there, the one who betrays him. And Jesus showed great love, even for Judas, knowing what was about to happen. And Jesus' command to love one another says that it was a new commandment. Well, it wasn't a new commandment. It was in Leviticus, right? And so what does that mean? The substance of that love was different. It was totally revolutionary because it was the love of Christ. It was the love 
that came from someone who was going to die on the cross so that we could love. That's a new kind of love. Never has that and never will that be done again, right? And so it was this revolutionary type of love that they're learning about. And so I just want you to ask yourself, because this is an opportunity for the world to see who we belong to. Do you interact with others in a way that shows the watching world who Jesus Christ is? In John 1, we see that Jesus explained who God was through his life. Is that me? Is it me? Is it okay? Sorry about that. It's a little unnerving when that comes when you have to hear that. Sorry. So, <clears throat> um, even if you look from in the book of John, if you go down to chapter fifteen, verses twelve and thirteen, it says, "I want you to love just as I love you." This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And then he says the second greatest commandment, and that's be on your outline. And it's in Matthew 22. And he says that the greatest commandment there um, in verse 38 uh, is that you should love your neighbor as, sorry, in verse 39, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And so we are not just loving one another in the church. We're not just gathering up in this little little huddle and and being so isolated from the world that we don't share that love with the uh, with others. And um, we need the world to see that love that we have, and we need to show it. And that's a really hard thing to do in our communities today, isn't it? Because we are a little bit um, run at our garages and hide. Do they do that here? Or is that? you do? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I heard somebody from another state say that they're, their community does that. And I was like, oh, I just thought that was California. So I guess it's anywhere. But the word that's used in in um, in um, in Matthew here is the word na- for neighbor. That is not household of faith. Neighbor is actually whoever we come in contact with. So when you go to the grocery store, the lady who checks you out is your neighbor. What does she see about the love of God in you when you're at the grocery store? Your neighbor is also that person who is at the intersection that you're about to run with the light, right? That's your neighbor. What do they see about the love of God in you with that little fish on the back of your car as you're running the red light, right? I mean, yeah, I know. (laughs) It's like, but that's four more minutes of my commute if I don't make this light, you know? We think selfishly, don't we? We're not thinking about others um, in those in those situations. And so we just really have to be uh, mindful of this gospel exhibiting love. 
and we need to show Christ through our lives. And uh, go to 1 John 3, verses 23 and 24, and we see, we'll go back to the body of Christ specifically. And he says in verse 23, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Um, And then Galatians 6, 9 and 10. uh, We know that this whole idea of the love, like I said, we're not, it's not mutually exclusive. Um, We don't love just our neighbor and then, then we love one another. This whole idea is that uh, in in Galatians 6, 9, and 10 is that we're not to lose heart in doing well. And in due time, if we reap, we will not grow weary. And then it says, so then while you have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. So that's everybody, right? But then he narrows it down and he says, especially to those who are in the household of faith. This is a very special love that we have for one another and how we um, are going to love one another as God tells us to love one another. So why is adorning the one another's, why is adorning the love of God important? Well, it's essential. First of all, it's essential. And it's essential because they are commands from God. That's part 2A on your outline. These are not polite suggestions. They are commands. There's a difference, right? You know, I might suggest that my husband eat his broccoli. But if it was to my child, it would not be a suggestion. It would be, you will eat your broccoli. Okay. So God is saying these are, these are commands These are obedience is always synonymous with faith and love when it comes um, in following the commands of God. Obedience and faith, they're a two-sided coin. You cannot separate obedience and faith. Um, And another reason is because of ecclesiology. We know that the Lord is giving us one another commands so that the church is being built up according to his word and not according to our own desires. We've all seen those churches that are being built up by the latest trends of the, the, the society, right? They look more like rock concerts when you go to them than they do uh, worship centers, right? Um, we, that's just the way of the world these days. Um, Also, we are given means of grace. Uh, Means of grace simply defined is all the ways that God has appointed to convey his grace to his beloved children. So we have preaching, we have prayer, we have the reading of the scripture, we have baptism, we have the Lord's Supper. These are all means of grace. And another means of grace that we have is the one another means of scripture. That is right there with it. This is biblical fellowship is a means of grace that God has given us to press on in our faith. 
to have other believers encouraging us in our faith and for us to encourage others in their faith. And then we have gospel living and discipleship. The one another show us how to live in light of all Christ has done for us and all he has shown us by his example because of our union in him. We have this beautiful union. And so as we practice these one another's in scripture, it helps us to grow, but it also helps us. It's a tool for discipleship and evangelism. It really is. I like what Bob Coughlin said. He said, God wants us to do more than sing songs together and have wonderful worship experiences. He wants to knit the fabric of our lives together. For many churches, it has become all about me. What I'm learning, what I'm seeking, what I'm desperate for, what I need, how I've been affected, what I can do. We see ourselves as isolated individuals, all seeking personal encounters with God wherever we can find him. Sadly, this reflects our individualistic, me-obsessed culture. Rather than seeing ourselves as part of a worship community, we become worship consumers. So ladies, let me ask you, does Lighthouse look like a worship shopping center or a worship community? Um, There's three points that uh, I think will help us evaluate this. And I won't be able to go over them all because uh, I think I'm supposed to be done at 9.15, right? Uh, Give or take. Oh, you don't know what you say when you tell me that. All right. (laughs) Oh, wait, I'm supposed to die to self. So that means I give, not take. Okay. All right. So the evidence is number three on your outline. The evidence is a biblical one anothering. I have a whole list there. Um, and when I teach at the university, um, we'll spend time and we'll go through these and talk about these. But I encourage you to take these and go through these with your sisters in Christ if you can. Um, and then I also gave you, uh, I think I sent to Mark just a, a list of the one another's of scripture too that um, you can have on hand. It's nice to have it handy um, because there's over 50 of them. But I want to look at one one specifically real quick. Um, I want to look at, um, I was going to go through devotion and selfless self selflessness. But if you listen to that podcast, I think that'll help you with that one. Why don't we look at service? Um, Galatians 5.13 says, but through love serve one another. When we are walking in the flesh, we will bite and devour. Um, as seen in surrounding verses of Galatians 5. However, when we're walking in the Spirit, we live this new life that longs and loves to please God and loves to steward the grace of God well. And we see that in 1 Peter 4.10. It says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When I was a baby Christian, I thought it was my Christian duty to say yes to everything that I was asked to do. Oh, you belong in this ministry. You need to do this ministry. Come be part of this ministry with us. Well, you can't even figure out what your spiritual gift is if you're doing every single ministry. You want to try a ministry, 
And you'll have a desire in your heart for a ministry that the Lord gifts you in. And so you don't want to just do everything where you can't practice the thing that God gave you to do, right? You want to experiment and try. Is this my area of giftedness? Is this my area of giftedness? We're all commanded to be hospitable, right? But there are some that just take it to another level. And I love going to those homes. I love going to those homes, not because what I get, but what I learn, right? Because I get to learn so much from them. It's like, oh, I'm taking that home. I'm doing that. Oh, I'm going to make that little board that says what the Wi-Fi code is, you know, (laughs) just little touches, you know, that make a person feel welcome when they get in late at night and they don't have to ask for the Wi-Fi code, little things like that. So, um, you know, so we learn from others, but we want to serve others with the gifts that God has given us. And we don't want to be ineffective. We want to be diligent. We want to be productive in what God has given us and steward it well. And probably better than productive, I would say faithful. We're to be faithful, right? Um, We're not perfect. Um, We don't want to do it in our flesh. We want to be faithful. Um, so learning what our gifts are and using them will be more effective to the body of believers than just running around willy-nilly thinking I have to do everything. We were just talking about this last night. A pastor's wife came to me. She was like, they're planning a church. We've got to have a women's ministry. We've got to have children's. We've got to do this. And I got exhausted just listening to her of all the things that she needs to, thinks she needs to do. And I was like, do you really need all them saying? Really? And just had encouraged her to think, if the people aren't there, do you really need this fancy schmancy women's ministry when there's two of you? Wouldn't you be better off spending some time looking at Titus 2 at the characteristics together and growing there? I mean, let's think about this. So anyway, we want to use the gifts. So ask yourself, am I a hard worker in my home and in my church? Am I attentive to the needs of those around me at my home and my church? Am I faithful and diligent in fulfilling the practical responsibilities in my home and in my church? Diligence is a huge theme in scripture. If you study that, um, as I did just recently, I was very convicted. And so we want to be diligent with what God has given us. We want to be faithful stewards. And is my life characterized by compassion sacrifice and acts of service at my home and my church. Our homes are our first churches with our families. And so we want to do those things in our homes as women, as well as in our church. But you see there in that list that I gave you, there's also unity, burden bearing, patience, all of those things, kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, Are you known as a forgiving church? Are you known as a forgiving people? You are most like Jesus Christ when you forgive and move forward in the grace of Christ. Um, Do you provide hope and comfort? And this is one of my favorites, ladies. I'm teaching through Hebrews right now. And um, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, you need to just have that, memorize it, have it on the back of your eyeballs and of your hearts, because the exhortation is so very clear. 
It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, because there were some wavering, right? It'd be easier to go back to Judaism and not uh, suffer persecution. What if someday we're in that boat and it's easier just to hide in our houses and not profess Christ than together as a body of believers? Something to think about. But it says there, it says, for he who promised is faithful and let us consider. And that word consider is not just a passing thought. This is let me really stop and think about how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Do you think about ways to stimulate others to uh, love and good deeds? When I meet a, a new lady at church, I give them a minute, but I'm like, what are your gifts? <laughs> you know, I want to know how has God gifted that beautiful person to serve him? I want to know. And then I'm going to put them to work. Then I'm going to use them. I'm going to let them use that gift as they become members of the church. They're going to use their giftedness. We just had a women's conference and women were like, oh, are you exhausted? We had Lisa Hughes come and speak us. And they were like, oh, is that just so exhausting having Lisa and inviting the community? Because we're a little church, so it's kind of a big deal when we do something like that. And I said, no, there were 26 women who did all of the work. I just got to enjoy Lisa and MC. And they were like, oh, great. See, we don't want two women doing all the one another's, right? Everybody's to do the one another's as scripture. We need to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And it goes on in verse 25 of Hebrews 10. It says, not forsaking our own assembling together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That was written how many years ago, right? We're talking, you know, almost 2000 years ago. All the more. We should be even more encouraging now as we see the day drawing near. And do we see the day drawing near? Absolutely. Absolutely. Praise the Lord for that. And as we see that, we need to encourage others so that they do not grow weary in well-doing. And you also really want to develop confession and prayer that is open and dependent. You really, really want to do that as women. Prayer is where the action is, is what J.C. Ryle said. That is where, that is where change begins. That is where change begins. And we're not changing God, but he's changing us as we trust him in those prayers. And as we are confessing to one another what we're struggling with and what we're working through, as I'm learning how to be kind to my mother-in-law who has dementia and it's not that she's not listening. She just doesn't remember that I told her something four times in two minutes. Am I being kind? Am I showing kindness? And is my church family helping me to be kind? And when I say I'm struggling to be kind with her, are they going to hold me accountable to be kind? That's what we want to do, right? That's what we want to do with one another. Um, and, and then I'm praying for you, Kim. I'm praying for you as you come alongside your mother-in-law. So do I ask others to pray for that sin issue that I'm struggling with? That 
boy, that shows that we're sinners. And sometimes we don't like to do that, do we? <laughs> I've got it all together. No, we don't. We don't have it all together. So in closing, Jay Adams says this. I have a couple quotes. I'm not going to finish the rest of this. Um, I'll just go through over a couple things real quick. Love is giving, giving of oneself to another. It's not getting, as the world says today. It is not feeling and desire. It is not something over which one has no control. It is something that we do for one another. No one loves in the abstract. Love is an attitude that issues forth in something that is actually, that actually tangibly happens. And ladies, that's the extension of one another. And as women of your church, when you are exercising the one another's as you meet together, um, whether it's at the park, whether it's at a Bible study, when you're doing these one another's within the body of Christ, your pastor and your elders are going to be encouraged in their tasks. You are going to be building them up. You are complementing the mission of the local church. Take several of these one another's. Let me just challenge you and and focus on and and don't be hyper structured where it's not uh, see doesn't seem real, right? But just prayerfully consider some of these one another's and how to promote them within your sphere of impl- influence. And then also when we are practicing the one another's, the extent of of that is that we will not be compromising the word of God. God's word is profitable, is sufficient. Leave out the fluff and the rot. And let's get down to what scripture says to do. We are capable of doing the hard work. We have the spirit of Jesus Christ and the church will be better off for it. And the end goal of biblical one another is our sanctification and God's glory. It's simple. That is God's design so that we can become more like Christ together as we spur one another on, encourage one another, serve one another, accept one another, and God will be glorified in that because that does not look like the world. That looks nothing like the world at all. I'll close with this. Stuart Scott says this, The mindset of Christ, a servant's mindset, is a focus on God and others, a pursuit of the recognition and the exaltation of God. It's not about me, right? I wake up in the morning. Today is a great day to die to self. So, and a desire to glorify and please God in all things and by all things that he has given us. We have the riches of eternity. We have the riches of Christ for all eternity. We need to display those riches through one anothering. Um, When this is our goal and we seek to put our feet to what our minds know, because sometimes that's where we stop, right? Um, It will be evident in our sanctification, our spiritual growth, and the growth of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so much for this brief time just to get to speak to these ladies about how to love one another within the body well. 
And Father, just priming the pump and just at the tip of the iceberg, there's so much and so much wealth in the one and others of Scripture that we could spend months and months learning about what your Scripture says about these and applying them to our lives. And Father, I pray that we will uh, be women who are known uh, within our realm of influence as women who love you love your son and are living by the spirit of your son. And Father, I pray that uh, that will be ever so evident within the community that we live and that others will want to know why we are different and we can explain to them who we are in Christ and that that makes all the difference in the world. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for that unimaginable love of giving up your only son who you loved on the behalf to make wretches treasures. Thank you, Lord.